Today on the Zabecast, Elon Musk has all the money in the world. So why is he selling all his houses, including the one formerly owned by Gene Wilder? The pee your pants challenge. You may now wash your car in California. And why vacant Vegas is the saddest place on earth. Andy Poland joins me to talk Last Dance and more, plus the honest talk about coronavirus some of you just don't want to hear. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Here we go! Wednesday, May 6, 2020, thank you for joining me. Let's start with Elon Musk, who recently welcomed into the world his first child with his new girlfriend. He's got like six other kids from a previous marriage, but first child with his new girl, Mazel Mazel. Mazel Mazel. Good things. Apparently, she, uh, this little girl has the weirdest name that only Elon Musk understands. It's like a mathematical equation. I have no idea, by the way, what's legal to include in your kid's name. What characters can you put a hashtag legally in a kid's name? Hyphens, how long, how short. Can you name a kid one letter? Somebody tell me, what what are the rules on names, official legal names filed in the courthouse? Can you name your kid a symbol like um, uh, Prince did at one point in his career? (laughs) I have no idea. I'm curious. Do let me know. So Elon Musk tweeted last week, or maybe it was early this week, that weeks and days blend together, that he was going to sell all his properties. He said, I will own no house. I'm selling all my possessions. (laughs) And you're like, what? Turns out he's got some cribs, all right. Pretty impressive. Um, Come on. Don't do this to me here. I had this article highlighted, and I had it set up on the web for perfect digital reading, and now it's screwing with me. Anyway, He put several of his houses up for sale in his pricey Los Angeles neighborhood of Bel Air. He owns five homes overlooking the Bel Air Country Club, according to Bloomberg. Uh, He bought the homes in 2012 and 2013. They were on the opposite ends of the luxury spectrum. One is a charming ranch-style home formerly owned by Gene Wilder, otherwise known as the guy who magnificently played Willy Wonka. With great eccentricity. It's got five bedrooms and a private guest cottage. It listed for $9.5 million. And any buyer has already been cautioned by Musk that it must be left intact. He said, I made just one stipulation on the sale. I own Gene Wilder's old house. It cannot be torn down or lose any of its soul. Well, that'll be an interesting real estate contract. The other home was a $30 million mega mansion with over 16,000 square feet of living and entertaining space. The listing says the home built in 1990 has been extensively remodeled along with six bedrooms and 11 bathrooms. It's got a tennis court, gym, two-story library, and five-car garage. Musk is looking to make a hefty profit. He bought the two homes for a total of $24 million, so he could be selling them for 40 Hey, maybe he just – it's downsizing, I guess. Is he old enough for a midlife crisis? I have no idea. The pee your pants challenge. This is great. How do you do it? We stand in front of a mirror, hold your phone up, hit record, and then pee your pants. 
There you go. That is a disgusting act. Of course it is. This is what 50-plus days of endless quarantine, lockdown, extended deadlines, etc. will do to the Utes of America. They'll get this board. You don't raise money for the pee your pants challenge. It'd be one thing if it was for prostate cancer for men or if it was something else. No, no, it's just, <laughs> hey, look, I'm peeing my pants right now. California has said, all right, we'll loosen our iron-fisted grip on some things that you can do now. (laughs) Here's the list that was put out by California of things you're now permitted to do. Think about that for a second. The government in California is permitting you to do the following. Badminton, singles only. Throwing a baseball or softball, BMX biking, canoeing, singles only. Crabbing, psych, crabbing in California, cycling, exploring rock pools, gardening, but not in groups, <laughs> golf, singles, walking, no cart, hiking, trails, paths, allowing distancing, horse riding, singles, jogging and running, kiteboarding and kite surfing, meditation, outdoor, f- meditation is now permitted outside, picnics with your stay home household members only. Quad biking, rock climbing, roller skating and rollerblading, rowing, singles, scootering, not in groups, skateboarding, not in groups, soft martial arts like Tai Chi or Chi Kung, I guess hard martial arts is not allowed, table tennis, singles, throwing a football, kicking a soccer ball, but not in groups, trail running, trampolining, tree climbing, volleyball, Singles. What? Volleyball singles. One-on-one. Walking the dog. Washing the car. Watching the sunrise or sunset. It's unclear if you can do both in a day. And yoga. It's now safe to do yoga outside. Californians, be grateful. Your Governor King with the Good hair has decreed these things are now acceptable. I lived in California uh, for seven and a half sort of glorious years in Santa Barbara, California. As a student, I lived there. And of course, afterwards, when I started my radio career at KTMS, 1250 AM in Santa Barbara, California, called the Gauchos basketball team and lived a great life out there. It was something else. But I left, not because of the politics or the crazy regulations and whatnot. It just didn't feel like home to me. People still live there. They still live there because it's a big brawny place that a lot of business gets done and there's unique things out there that you can only get in LA. And you put up with all this bullshit. You put up with the mudslides, the wildfires, uh, <laughs> the the hopelessness if you are a conservative knowing your your vote is pretty much nullified every single presidential election. And the traffic you put up with and the taxes you put up with and the homeless problem you put up with. Because California is pretty glorious in most of the state. It's it's something else. But, man, I can't imagine seeing that list going, oh, okay. I can wash the car now. Good. I was doing yoga in my yard. I was worried about getting arrested. One more sad thing. Then we'll get to Andy. He'll cheer us up. Vacant Vegas is the worst Vegas. There was a video I saw of Vegas just empty, completely empty, nobody there. 
like a neutron bomb hit it. All the people killed and gone. Buildings still standing. God, is that sad. Vegas is just the greatest mass people place. You go there to watch people. You go there to see things happen. And you stumble around drunk amidst all these other people. It's going to be a long time before it's back to that, but it will be eventually. But it's sad to see it the way it is now. I just hope, really do, that they are using this time wisely to give that town a thorough deep cleaning. I mean every nook and cranny. Toothbrushes in every crack. Let's get that place spit shiny clean. And then we can go make it full of puke and vomit and piss all over again. Hello. I hit you with a name from Redskins Past. You ready? All right. Kim McQuilkin. Quarterback, yes. And apparently a god-awful one at that. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> somebody, was a, uh... somebody ran a clip on Twitter of poor Kim McQuilkin, uh, wearing number 11 at the time, just mm-hmm. getting obliterated and looking out of his depth. He is one of a few. I don't think he was the only one, but he also played for the Federals of the USFL, Ooh, if I'm not mistaken. That's a rare double dip right there, the Feds of the USFL. Mm-hmm. And uh, was was probably a starter for a team that was god-awful in the USFL and referred to by the owner as a bunch of trained gerbils. <laughs> <laughs> the owner said that. Yes. Yeah. Bro wow. Bernard said wow. that. Wow. Inspiring, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the Kim McQuilkin era, when, when was that roughly speaking? Early eighties? Was that when was, I don't even remember when that was. What the USFL? Well, no, the Kim McQuilkin Redskins era. Oh, well, I, I can't imagine he started any games, but he would have been on the team. Yes, prior the USFL came in in 82, so he would have been with the Redskins 80, 81, somewhere in there. Okay, something like that. I'm going to find the clip here. Uh, one, of these, uh, one of these follows on Twitter basically had, <laughs> and this was Kim McQuilkin's last pass as a professional. <laughs> Yeah. All right. We got a lot to talk about, including the Alex Smith documentary, which I'm sure you saw on Friday. Mm-hmm. And probably have some thoughts about the NFL release schedule or the schedule release night is going to be on Thursday. And we can all wish for the happiest dreams of a normal season. And uh, we got to talk about the Jordan documentary as well. Mm-hmm. So where do you want to begin exactly? Let's start with the Alex Smith stuff. I, I okay. thought it was one of the best things ESPN has ever done. I was blown away. My admiration for Alex Smith has gone – it was already high, but it's gone through the roof. And after talking to Stefania Bell on my show, and you guys might have interviewed her as well. Mm-hmm. We did. Um, it sounds like Alex Smith is not fooling around, and he's really going to try to still play. That is just amazing to me. Yeah, that, that was my question to her. I said, it, it, how is it possible that he could even think about playing? And she said, well, he's got a rod now in his leg. And so he can take a hit on that. Now, they had to take muscle from his left leg and put it into his right leg. Yeah, you can, uh, see, you can see the strips of his yeah. thighs where they had mined the live flesh to put into his leg. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I'm. You might shock you. I'm not a doctor, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it just seems to me that there's too much medical mumbo jumbo going on here for a guy to get back and play quarterback. You know, at least with Theismann. Now Theismann didn't have the rod implanted, and he said the bone grew back crooked, and his leg was shorter than right. the other one, and that's what made him prevented him from playing again. Okay, I, I get that, but Theismann didn't have the infection. He didn't have this flesh-eating bacteria, which was not just threatening his leg, but threatening his life. And to to think, I mean, I saw him running around with his kids at the end. That's miraculous. Right. But to think that he can get back on the NFL field again and and you know and this time avoid JJ Watt, I I just don't see it. I don't see it either. It's such a savage league. But after seeing what he's come back from, I'm in the I'm pretty much saying to myself, why would I doubt him? Because I would have doubted him. All along the way, seeing the leg when it was in what I called the half-eaten chicken wing state mm-hmm. shocked me. I mean, yeah. just shocked me. Now, you and I have been to Walter Reed on Veterans Day, and we've talked yes. amputees yes. And, and also seen some mangled limbs that are still there. He was at that stage where he's talking to them about what's better, cut it off or keep it. Right. <laughs> And uh, and then, you know, I mean, look, we, we had a guy in baseball in World War Two who pitched with an artificial leg in a major league game. We had a one arm player. Was, who was that, by the way? It was his name was Bert Shepard. And he had been he had been at Walter Reed and Harry Truman, the president, paid a visit to the wounded veterans. And he ran into him and he said, young man, what is your dream? He said, I like to play major league baseball. So. Old Harry pulled a few strings and he wound up playing for the Senators for uh, for a few games and was actually pitching in a major league game, which was a blowout. So he, you know, he did that. But that that was a one time thing. And then Pete Gray during the war when, you know, we had all our guys overseas, uh, he played with one arm with the St. Louis Browns for about half a season. I mean, that those are miracles um, but extenuating circumstances since they were during the war and we had a lack of players to think that Alex Smith could play quarterback in the NFL and play well again have you uh have you considered the possibility that come August assuming there's a training camp that Alex would be cleared to practice and would engage in a theoretical three-way quarterback battle between Haskins this kid that they brought up from Carolina and Alex himself uh Kyle Kyle Allen Uh, I don't know yeah um no, I mean, I, I just just the sight of seeing that leg where you could see actual bone. I mean, those those are the most graphic photos I think I've ever seen anywhere. Right. And and, and just and just I can't get my head around the idea that this guy can come back and play. I mean, I I know he's going to give it a shot. I know he's going to try, but yeah. I, no, I, I, can't I don't want to see far. it. I don't want to yeah. see it. Uh, his wife's not bad looking, huh? She's well, a nice and woman she's, and, and very supportive. Wow. She, she was really, I mean, to think what she went through with him. Ooh. <laughs> he overachieved in so many ways in life, both as a player and in the dating thing. I love how she said, yeah, at first I was like, nah, not really into it. And Alex <laughs> yeah. Smith being the overachiever that he is <laughs> said, okay, I'll wear you down. I'll show you. I'll prove it yeah. to you. He was very dorky early on. Like he looks yeah. a lot more handsome now than he did when he was a freshman in college. And how about this? How about if Urban Meyer doesn't show up at Utah? Is that where he played Utah? That, how about that, if Jim Harbaugh doesn't show up in San Francisco? 
He could have been yeah. swept into the dustbin of, oh, well, uh, number one, number one, didn't work out. Cam Newton right now is sitting around waiting for a job as we go tick, tick, tick deeper into the offseason. Yeah, I, I think his feeling is I'm not coming in as a backup. So he's going to wait and see if a starter goes down. Mm. But I don't I don't see him with the Redskins, do you? Not really. No. Uh, do you think – are the Redskins – how are the Redskins going to manage the money aspect on Alex Smith? Because he's still a huge load on the salary cap for at least another year, maybe two. I think it's one. I think they can get out of it after this year. And, yeah, they're stuck with it. But they're they're well under the cap. I mean, they didn't do much in free agency at, at all. You know, what, who's the biggest free agent name they brought in? Correct. And and I think going into uh, or coming out of the draft, they're like $34 million under, which is one of the, I think, higher teams yeah. that's yeah. out there. Uh, let's see here. Uh, he's on the books this year for uh-huh. ugh, 20. $21 million cap hit. 20. Yeah. Potential out is 2021. Mm-hmm. In which he was due to make twenty four million, then twenty six million. So yeah, that would be that would be it. I guess the dead cap next year is ten point eight mil. Wow. Okay. All right. That's that's the cost of doing business. You know, and it started so nicely. And I would have loved to have rooted for him as a Redskin for these what they hoped would have been five years. Yeah, but you know, there was a feeling when they were six and three that they were winning in spite of Alex. They were. They were. He was not lighting it up, and there were still some adjustments going on. But shit, Andy, six and three. We're no. We're no franchise to to turn up our noses at six and three. Oh no, 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 no! It's not like we didn't like that six and three. We didn't send it back to the kitchen. No, we didn't do that. Right. Exactly. But it was it was six and three with the feeling of "Hmm, boy, you know, he's uh, he doesn't complete many passes. Uh, You know, he doesn't really uh, light it up. But uh, somehow they're winning games. All right, I found this from uh, the website, or not, the Twitter follow, Quirky Research. Quirky Research. They write, on this date in 1981, Kim McQuilkin, possibly the worst quarterback in NFL history, retired after a season of clipboard holding with a career passer rating of 17.9. This was his final NFL pass. I think it was against the Jets. It's AstroTurf. It looks like green jerseys, but the quality of video from back in the 80s is still pretty shitty. A Super Bowl trophy pictured in their media guide. That's surprprising. Well, I guess uh, uh, Steelers actually Steelers. Steelers. Second down. Wilkin. Oof. Going deep. An interception by Pittsburgh. He got hammered on the play. Poor guy. Oh, man, you got to see the clip of it. He just gets waylaid. Mm, Oof. Yeah. All right, Thursday night, schedule release. I'm excited. Are you excited? Let's get to see how the how the games are going to play out. How many nationally televised games do you think our Redskins will get? Uh, well, everybody's due one, right? I think that's in the agreement that right. you have to have one. Right. So uh, I'll take the under at three. I'll say they'll take they'll get two, one, one yeah. more. All right. And um, 
Uh, do you like our former colleague Kevin Sheehan? Well, he's currently my colleague. Uh, our mm-hmm. friend Kevin Sheehan with his mock schedule. <laughs> yes. Where he become- tries <laughs> to predict what the schedule will be date by date, week by week. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's become a tradition. He has hung on to it. And, you know, he gets a couple right every now and then. So, you know, why not? All right. The home opponents for the Redskins will be the Ravens. Tough mm-hmm. game. And it's going to be a very attractive ticket with Lamar Jackson, the MVP in town, just down I-95 from Baltimore. The Bengals, which should be a great, easy win with a rookie quarterback, no matter how good he is. The Seahawks at FedEx Field, which will be a tough one. The Rams, which would be the Sean McVay return game. First time we've played the Rams, right, since McVay left? No, no they, they actually beat McVay in his first year. Oh, they did. That's right. Yeah. That was the yeah. very first year out in L.A., and uh, the Panthers at home. Ooh, yeah. So, well, you 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 use the phrase "tough ticket." Uh, that is going to be an interesting situation uh, come September, October, whenever that happens. I'm planting. I'm, I'm planting my flag, Andy. It's going okay. to be fans come September. Okay. I'm, I, I, I mean, I'm not betting any money on it. I don't want to. I don't want to whistle past the graveyard here, but I I believe. Okay, I believe that we can win. You saw you saw what the the Dolphins have trotted out now, haven't you? Yes, and you know what? I think there is a strategy to that. Okay, I think, and this is like you saw the plexiglass dividers; they're going to roll out in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. you have to in the first stages of getting back on our feet as a country and as a society show a deference to safety and a excessive willingness to say, we'll do this, we'll do Mm -hmm. this, we'll do this. But at some point, it won't be necessary. I hope. I hope you're correct in saying that. But uh, this plan of people leaving like a wedding when when your aisle is called – and uh, spacing of seats and 15,000 allowed. I know. (sighs) I know. I know. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, I just, you know. Anyway, uh, so those are the uh, home opponents. The Panthers, you know Rivera is going to really, really want to win that one because he's still cheesed that he got fired, which is interesting because every coach gets fired, and honestly, he was sucking at the time, but whatever. Away (laughs) opponents include, these are all non-conference. We know the Cowboys, Giants, and Eagles home and away. The Browns away. (sighs) The Steelers away. The Niners away. That's the Kyle game. But we we played the Niners last year in the rain. We. I was out there, Andy. Uh, The Redskins played the the Niners in a friggin' monsoon, and they lost, but they covered the spread. The Cardinals (laughs) away, which is a great weather date if it's later in the season, because who doesn't love Arizona? And then the Lions away, which I hate playing in Detroit. Well, they used to they used to always beat the Lions until the Lions were zero and nineteen, and they beat the Redskins. Yeah, so, I don't know the uh, the San Francisco thing. Uh, you you heard that clip of Larry Michael at the end of the game where they were using FedEx Field like a slip and slide, and uh, and Larry vowed revenge. That right? Redskins, How Redskins dare were you? Right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so let's see. 
Let's see what happens yeah. when they go to San Francisco and they go, you, you use FedEx field like a slip and slide. Well, watch what we're going to do to you. All right. Without, uh, without seeing how the schedule, the sequencing and everything else, I'm going to lick my finger, put it up in the air. Mm, eight and eight, Andy. Ooh. Well, how about I, that? I, eight I was go- and eight. I'm going six and 10. Damn you, it's, son of a bitch! Really? Yeah, it's yeah because you, you you know the defense is going to be good. Okay, we know that, but it's going to take a while, and you know, and Rivera, he's he's got his program to turn things around. I like some of the things he did. I I really do. I mean, I I think getting Quentin Dunbar out of town quickly was good. I yeah. think getting rid of Trent was good. Well, they could have gotten more for him. At least that that's over with. But the culture is still the culture, and it's going to take some time. All right. Uh, while we're on football, Don Shula passes away at age 90. In his sleep, yeah. after an iconic career both as a player, that's right, he played in the league mm-hmm. way back when, out of John Carroll University, drafted by the Browns in the ninth round, had 21 picks in his pro career, which is pretty amazing, and played for the Redskins at the very end of his career. Uh, to being a coach, including the iconic coach of the Miami Dolphins, a guy who was the author of both the only perfect season, 17-0 mm-hmm. against our Redskins, and the guy who is part of the biggest upset in Super Bowl history, Joe Willie Namath and the 19-and-a-half-point underdog Jets, who stunned Shula and the Colts. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing, isn't it, that he's on that's, both bookends of the game like that? Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's somewhat the team that he lost to might have been the reason that his career unfolded the way it did in Miami. Because I was reading this today that Carol Rosenblum, who later owned the Rams, he made a trade with Irsay, traded the Rams for the Colts because he wanted to be in L.A. But Hold on. Carol- for, for kids just listening out there, Uncle Andy is not telling a tall tale. Hop up on his knee and listen. Once upon a time, two owners traded teams with each other. Literally. You have them, all have these guys. Exactly. And and it was a a much bigger market that that Rosenblum was getting with Los Angeles. But anyway, that's the way that unfolded. But Rosenblum had his offices in New York. And so after the Jets pulled the upset, Rosenblum had to listen to these office guys saying, <laughs> how about them Jets? And he would take it out on Shula. And and Shula said after one season he had enough and he started listening to offers and wound up going to Miami and, and took that took that job. So that was that part of it. The the other interesting thing to me, most interesting about the career of Shula, was when the undefeated Dolphins, 1972. They had 2,000-yard running backs, Mercury Morris and Larry Zonka. Their leading receiver is in the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame wide receiver, Paul Warfield. You want to guess how many catches he had? He led the team in receptions. How many he had for the year? 46. 29. Shut up. 29 catches, three touchdowns. And then, and then on Shula's last Super Bowl team with Dan Marino, where Marino threw 48 touchdown passes, the Marx brothers, Duper and Clayton, combined for 144 catches. Each of them had over 70 catches. So he won both ways. You know, he, he had that ground and pound with the Dolphins and then, uh, you know, had a great quarterback with Marino and threw the ball. Wow, that's amazing. Was Shula an innovator? 
Not um, like Landry or not like Walsh, right? Walsh was the innovator of the West Coast offense. Landry invented a ton of different things. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of unusual to have 2,000-yard backs, which in one season, I guess you could say that. Um, you know, the, the other thing about him is he never wore a headset. I mean, they didn't have That's headsets right. in the early part of his career. But even in the 90s when he was coaching, you know, he had an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, but it wasn't like he could wear a headset and, you know, say, no, we're not going to run that play or I veto this, I veto that. He, he let his people do their job. How bad and, was uh, it? How bad was it that he only went to one Super Bowl and didn't win it with the great Dan Marino? Or, yeah. or were they such a team that they were so pass happy and they were so electric offensively, it didn't lead to winning games with good defense because they were just up and down the field so much? That could have been, but the the team that they lost to, the 49ers, that may have been the best 49er team. I mean, they, they were really, really good. 84, was it? Yeah, yeah. 84. And uh, that was uh, right before they got Jerry Rice, but they were still really good offensively and defensively. That's another thing for you kids out there. Andy just said the best Niner team may not have even had Jerry Rice just yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you know, Rice Rice certainly played on great teams, won Super Bowls, yeah. but uh, there was that. But, yes, the feeling was Dan Marino was 23 years old. It was his second year in the league. And they said, okay, they lost their great 49er team, but certainly they'll be back. Shula re- retired in 95. Right. And I guarantee never paid for the following three things again in South Florida. A beer, a meal, or ass. I mean, <laughs> what a life he led. Imagine being fucking Don Shula in Miami for 25 years. You're yeah. just a big shot. Everybody loves and respects you. You're the coach of the Dolphins during their glory days. It's a good life, and he died in his sleep. Now, he didn't make it to 100 like you're going to make it, Andy, but he died in his sleep. Yeah. That's yeah, the way yeah. to go right there. Well, he owned restaurants, so, you know, for, in terms of paying for meals, I don't know. He owned golf courses. He he just, you know, he was the king of Florida. He wasn't there just 25 years. He coached 26. He was there for 50 years. Well, I meant he he had 25 years of retirement. Oh, yeah. Where yeah, he didn't absolutely. have to worry about winning a game, and it was yeah. like rolls around, hey, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, Don Shula's here. Coach Shula, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last dance. What do you mm. think? Episodes five and six? Not Nike as good as the and then first gambling. four. Not, no. Not as good, Why not? not? As good as, because I just thought, you know, it, it dragged a little bit. I mean, I'm familiar with a lot of the things that happen in all of these. So I've heard a lot of these stories. Um, I thought the I thought the gambling thing was interesting. You know what I found to be the most interesting is, and, and this is the way I guess a great athlete has to think. Charles Barkley got cut by Bobby Knight for the 84 Olympic team. He was traded from the Philadelphia 76ers in 1992 for basically a bag of balls. I mean, Jeff Hornacek, pretty good player, and two other guys who were gone from the Sixers in like a year and a half. Okay, mm-hmm. so he's already he's already been cut from the Olympic team. He's been traded for not much. And he loses to Jordan, and it finally occurs to him that he's not the best player in the world. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that is crazy. That yeah, no, it's it's funny how that is. It takes that to suddenly realize, yeah, there's somebody. Yeah. Well, I love when they said he was then the alpha. Alpha. Yeah. yeah. 
that the I mean, biggest lion in the pack finally said, "Okay, fuck you, I'm <laughs> take you apart." I was great. I I thought uh, I thought the dream team was one of the great things that happened in sports for a couple reasons. One, it was just fun to see this comically overloaded team of star player after star player. Secondly, we owed it to the Olympic community for the past injustices like 72, which mm-hmm. was a robbery by the Russians and the re- re- referees, and 88, which was a fuck-up by our friend John Thompson, who didn't bring well. enough shooters to Seoul, South Korea. But was it, was like, it. it was like we finally said, okay, fuck you. Here's our best guys. You've been sending quasi-pros to the Olympics for years now. We've been sending college kids. Here's our best guys. Can you hang? And the answer is no. The third best thing about the Dream Team was it planted the seeds for every kid in Europe to say, oh, man, I want to do that. And we've got a good number of European players who are becoming NBA stars. Yeah, no, it, it definitely made the game global. It, it raised the profile of basketball. It did wonders for the bottom line for the NBA. But, uh, oh, oh, the other thing about the, 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 uh, the, this episode, it really pointed out to what lengths Jordan would go to motivate himself to to kill somebody. And just because they were putting Clyde Drexler in the same conversation with him. He says to Magic Johnson over cards, watch this. Okay. And then just because Jerry Krause said Dan Marley was a really good defensive player, Jordan goes, watch this. Yeah. Funny <laughs> so, how that is. What'd you yeah. make of Wilbon apologizing on Twitter to Isaiah because he stated incorrectly nine players didn't want him on the Olympic team. And Isaiah said thank you back to Wilbon. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. I thought Wilbon was not the only one who said that because I heard that from other people. Should but, Wilbon be apologizing? Well, you know, Wilbon walks an interesting Chicago line because <laughs> Isaiah's a Chicago guy, right? So, but know, Wilbon, they, but Wilbon's a Jordan guy. He is a Jordan. He's guy. a member of the Jordan heirs, as we say. He's got the leather jacket and all, right? But he he also he also travels in circles where he encounters Isaiah Thomas, and <laughs> so it's it's a difficult tightrope. Wilbon Wilbon is amazing in keeping his passport stamped to be able to travel anywhere, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard anybody say Michael Wilbon? What an ass! No, no. no. And he's played it, and and that's a good thing, right? You don't want to no, be an absolutely. ass. Absolutely. But yeah, at some right. point, doing that runs you up against maybe the hypocrisy of, well, wait a minute, don't you have a firm opinion on this? Or yeah. aren't you going to stand by your reporting? I mean, Wilbon is a reporter, right, at the I end know, of the day? I know, I know. But, but Tony, Tony delights. If you, I know you're usually on the air when PTI is on, but yeah. Tony delights in making him squirm over that kind of stuff, exactly that kind of an issue. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, a uh, couple of media things real quick. Do you see where ESPN extended the contracts of Bomani Jones and Pablo even though they canceled High Noon, they both got new contracts. This is after they take Jessica, Jessica Mendoza off Sunday night baseball because of her Mets conflict, but right. they give her a new contract. What yeah. the hell is going on at ESPN to think that two high-priced talent who just had their show canceled would get new contracts in the middle of a pandemic? Wow. I, I think I think they see them as, as younger Wilbon and Tony, that you know, their show didn't work, but that doesn't mean they can't be integrated into similar type of programming. I mean, you know, Tony's going to be 72 in a couple of months. Who are and, they bidding against for him, though? 
Well, I, you know, look, the 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 uh, the the Fox Network is still keeping Skip employed. I think he's he's got a contract, right? But they're and under I, contract. Like if I'm, it, they're asking all their talent to take pay cuts. ESPN as part of Disney is going to get fucking wiped out. I mean, think of Disney, Andy, parks, cruise ships, sports networks, and it's all direct hit by this pandemic. Anyway, know, but... good good for those guys. I harbor no ill will. I just find it amazingly curious how that works. But maybe you're right. Maybe they say, look, the show didn't work, but we like them as cast characters. So to also, speak. also look look at what we're doing now. I mean, you, the country's going to come back, but we're watching more television than ever now. True. And and so you know they want to make sure that they've got the eyeballs on there when they get the sponsors back. I and so, so I think that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, one other little media snippet. Apparently, Funhouse, our guy, back after this, who's been tormenting <laughs> uh, Mike or tormenting uh, Francesa for years, has decided that he can no longer post clips and ridicule Colin Coward because he just doesn't think Coward even knows or likes sports and is fed up with it entirely, in part because he said he listened to all a Coward's show yesterday, and he never once mentioned the passing of Don Shula or what he meant to football, and he found that egregious given that the news of Shula passing occurred at like 9 in the morning, where there would have been plenty of time to put something in. What do you make of that? Yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree with that. I, I was not aware of that. I'm kind of surprised that Coward didn't do that. But I think the, the, the interesting thing about what he's done with his waltz with Francesa is Francesa uh, first comes out and says, well, he's not going to be allowed to use anything anymore. And so he complied. And then Francesa or, or his company, Entercom, came to the conclusion of, Ooh, this isn't right. good for us, you know. So, so he pretty much begged for him to come back, and then he did the absolute right thing and said, "Nope, I'm not going to do it." But as now, far, but as far as coward not doing one segment at least, a little sliver yeah. segment talking about a legend in Shula who had died that day, I think it's because he has the show written for him, and I know that mm. he has writers. Coward does. And he adds his own, you know, spin on it. But I think he had the show written, and he writes the show and executes the show, and that's that. I think I I, I don't know how it works there. I mean, he's doing it from home now, so I don't know if that that's crimps it to some degree. I also think this he he looks at himself as a really hip guy, and Shula last coached twenty five years ago. So, you know, maybe he's thinking, no, oh, my audience is so young and, and so forth. They're not really aware of Shula oh, and they Lord. don't care. Oh, I don't know. Lord. That's don't something know. else. Well, anyway, Andy, always good to talk to you, my friend. Thank you. And we will chat next week. Very good, Zave. Take care. All right. There you go. It's kind of a short tale out there. You really young broadcasters, if you're going to bump a guy out with music like this, let it build for about 30 seconds and then say goodbye to him. That was kind of like music. All right, Andy, bye. Okay, see you later, and then music. All right. Thus endeth your lesson for the day. I've been getting a lot of supportive emails about uh, coronavirus talk, and I've decided I'm going to put it here on the podcast. So if you don't want to hear my takes, my thoughts on this. If 
you think I'm fucking full of shit and wrong and hate me for going this way and blah, blah, blah. And you don't, okay, now's a good time to just end the podcast and we'll be done. All right, good. Everyone who's gone wants to be gone. Here we go. This guy, Neil Ferguson. Oh, what a fucking asshole he is. Of the Imperial College in London, the guy who put out the model with the fear porn of 2.2 million dead Americans if nothing was done about the coronavirus and 500,000 done uh, or dead if nothing is done in the UK. Never mind the fact that like a week after he put those numbers out, he was like, oh, no, 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 no it's, not, it's, it's a lot less than that. Like It's like a couple hundred thousand in the US and it's like 20,000 in the UK. Now, the numbers have gone over those revised numbers, but it's like, wait a minute, what the fuck? I had read about this guy, Neil Ferguson. He apparently had been reprimanded because he was way overshooting estimates on previous pandemics, including the swine flu, including mad cow disease, which he apparently then morphed into mad sheep disease. And I do believe there is an official censure of him for basically really shitty predictions and shitty models. Now, I'm not going to get into the benefits and or accuracy expectations of models, but this guy has been way off uh, on the dark side, as they like to say, for pretty much the whole thing. Okay, fine. It's too bad that some politicians took it and ran with it. I don't know why he's still on the scene. Like, why is he considered some expert when he was so fucking wrong before, when he actually got an official censure? In the past, you would think he would have been, you know, said, all right, next one up. Who's the next nerd that studies this shit? Get in there. Or maybe a consensus of people. Who knows? Came out today that good old Neil Ferguson was caught stupping a married woman during lockdown. Oh, boy. Here we go. So in other words, Neil Ferguson, who's like, we got a lockdown, everybody, you can't go anywhere. They had really strict rules, and st- I think they still do in the UK. Uh, they, they said basically, look, if you've got a girlfriend, they're going to have to come live with you or vice versa. You're not going to be allowed to pop over and pop back. And guess what he did? He had his girlfriend, a married 38-year-old woman by the name of Antonio Stats. Come over more than one time after Ferguson himself had recovered from the coronavirus. She's married, 38 years old, living with her husband in his 30s, two children. And Neil Ferguson, 51, bounch, bow, bow, banging her during the lockdown. He has resigned now from the Imperial College team. Unfucking believable. Yeah, good job, pal. Way to go. It doesn't mean necessarily that he doesn't, I guess, understand pandemics to a certain degree. It doesn't mean that necessarily it has any effect on his models, which have all sucked, basically. Bottom line is, it is once again the elites saying to us, the littles, oh yeah, we're going to make you do this, but us? Fuck no, we're not going to do that. Governor Pritzker in Illinois sent his family to Florida. Governor Northam in Virginia was spotted in his North Carolina home 
during the peak of the, hey, no unnecessary travel shit. The, I mentioned the Scottish uh, tr- like health secretary was caught going to her country home multiple times. She's been sacked. Now this asshole. It's amazing we don't have armed revolution. We could be coming to that. Uh, there was a protest in Texas today, or I guess some shop that opened up against orders, and uh, they brought in this huge civilian police SWAT tank and SWAT team members for it, where you're like, really? Is this what it's come to? And the answer is apparently yes. It's infuriating. It really is. And that's the biggest thing about this. The mission creep is something nobody signed up for. The whole 15 days to flatten the curve. Can't overload the health system. Okay, we'll do our part. It's going to be painful. We're ready. We're in the fight. Do you guys remember what it felt like early pandemic? Hey, man, we're in this together. We're going to make masks and we're going to social distance and we'll do drive-by birthday parties. And then it became, well... 15 days, eh, more like, it's called April 31st. And that became May 15th. That became July 6th. Some places, I think some counties now in Wisconsin, individual counties are extending their so-called lockdowns until middle of July. Because it looks like the state, uh, the governor, Evers, may get uh, shot down at the Supreme Court level about whether or not he has the ability to extend his lockdown past May 8th. So it just seemingly never ends. And again, this was never sold to us as a public. But the sad thing is, even though we feel like we've been lied to and it wasn't sold to us this way, half the country at least is like all for it. Either because they're scared or because they know this is not the worst thing for their side. Look, you can hate Trump and you can be a a Democrat who wants to see him out. You can understand the importance of this election coming up. But you cannot deny that this is good for Democrats. As long as you can rationalize the economic destruction and overlook all the other bad things happening, if beating Trump is paramount, this is good for the Democrats. It's the one thing that can stop them, basically. And then you get bonuses, possibly, depending on how long this goes and what you can get Uh, others to agree to. I mean, they would love to have mail-by-ballot. They'd love to have universal basic income. They'd love to take control of a wrecked economy and then propose and pass all kinds of government spending. And in a cynical way, it's brilliant. I mean, if that's what you believe in, and I think a number of Democrats believe in it, this is a huge opportunity if you play scorched earth. And the only thing that can stop it from happening is if the country opens up and if the country bounces back quick and if things get going and if people realize, yeah, we probably overreacted. So you see it now. The latest push of fear porn is in. You get the IHME, whose models have also sucked, suddenly ramping up their death toll to 135,000 people. Their guy, the Murray guy, went on all the outlets to hype it up. There was a story out of New York that says, oh my God, we found 15 kids in the city who might have some weird inflammatory thing going on that might be because of, might be because of coronavirus. 15 kids, six tested positive. Uh, others had antibodies, but otherwise they couldn't directly do a cause or effect. But, oh, well, that's an interesting story that comes up right now. 15 kids 
And there was a study, a story that said the virus could be mutating to be a more easily transmissible version of the virus. I saw another story that said the virus was actually going the other way, that it was starting to weaken and starting to downgrade itself to be more less lethal. I don't know what to believe, but the timing is amazing as right as these states are opening up. And of course, some of the media are being completely dishonest. I mean, they tweet things like, the first day after Florida releases its lockdown, there's a thousand new cases. Yeah, but you look at the numbers, Florida had its lowest positive percentage of cases, yet 2.6%, which is minuscule. Lots of tests, very low percentage. In other words, like I said yesterday, they're fishing where the fish are. Prisons, meat packing plants, healthcare workers, and eventually they're running out of fish. And the numbers are going down. Nationally, the percentage that tested positive of our daily test was down to 7%. That's the lowest it's been since we started testing. That's a good thing. You probably won't hear about it many places, but there you go. But yeah, Neil uh, Neil Ferguson. Pussy's undefeated. It is. I mean, boy, what a dumb thing there. He thought he'd get away with it, right? You would have gotten away with it without those meddling kids. All right, that'll do it for me today. And if you were triggered by my comments or don't like my comments or think I'm full of shit or wrong or paranoid or partisan, that's fine. Send me your uh, emails if you want. I'm not going to get into it with you. I'm telling you where I stand on this. And again, if you're a Democrat that desperately wants to get Trump out and take the White House, you've got a winning hand here. I understand why you're playing it. It's too bad it's wreaking real damage to everybody, but so be it. I guess in scorched earth politics, the end justifies the means. Oh, and by the way, check out Japan. Japan, there's stories on them and how they've handled their crisis pretty damn well. They're not testing a lot, which is weird. The story I read said Japan is actually limiting the amount of testing because they don't want everybody who's got a positive test and basically no symptoms running to their emergency rooms and their hospitals. Again, there's interesting stuff out there to read if you can get to it and find it. It's not going to be pushed in front of your face, though, at the typical outlets on TV. All right, that's a wrap for today. Thank you for downloading. Remember to download Zabecast app. It is free. Uh, Subscribe to Friday's edition. It is not. We now have an annual plan from the good folks at Red Circle. Pay for the Zabecast once per year. Pay for 11 months. Get the 12th month free and you can subscribe to the podcast via whatever rss feed you have set up for your preferred podcast aggregator and player rate and review so we please our algorithmic overlords and have yourself a great wednesday and we will see you tomorrow